Moncrief on News Talk with Avant Money. Money when you need it with Avant Money credit cards. Avant Card DAC trading as Avant Money is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Anyway, Jonathan de Burke Butler joins us once again to bring us stories from other parts of the planet. Afternoon, Jonathan. Sean, how are you getting on? Uh, right, uh, we're going to go to uh, the DRC first and uh, where there's been attacks on Indigenous people there. Yeah, this is the Democratic Republic of the Congo and and as you said, there have been deadly attacks on indigenous people that have been happening over the course of about five years. Now, this, this particular story probably goes back to the early 1970s, right, when um, the Kahuzi Biega National Park was brought into being in the Democratic Republic of the Congo with an awful lot of funding, it should be said, from... Uh, foreign governments, including the United States and Germany, all right, to name mm. to name but a few. It's the national park itself is about the size of Galway, right? So it's right. six thousand square kilometers. So it's quite big, and most of it is covered in forest. But it, it, about five years after it was started in 1976, it expanded and it encroached into an area that was populated by an indigenous group known as the Batwa people. Okay, they're pygmies effectively okay and about 6,000 of them were expelled from their home right and there has been an ongoing issue with those people ever since right so they're, mm. they're, they're basically they have nowhere to go all they knew is the forest and, and, and th- this was it and, and anywhere they went they were kind of rejected by other people so back in about 2014 it took a very long time but back in about 2014 Various different NGOs started negotiating with the government of the DRC on their behalf. There was several deals struck, but none of those deals that were reached were actually honoured. Mm. So the Batwa began to go back into the National Park. They sort of said, well, look, we're not having much of a life where we are. Nobody recognises us. So they started going back into the, par- the park and sort of building villages and the like. And at this point is when the rangers started attacking them, all right? So this is rangers that are, it's their job to look after the park, obviously, okay? And they sometimes get help from the army of the Dem- of the DRC as well. Um, but they wouldn't necessarily act in the most honourable manner, shall we say. Yeah. And according to this report, at least 20 Batwa people have been killed in the last five years. Hundreds of others have been displaced. They've had their village huts basically burnt down. There was one incident that happened in November of last year and there was two children in the hut and the result was absolutely catastrophic, as you can imagine. And there's been ongoing um, and continuous sexual assaults and various other things that we probably don't need to go into yeah. great detail at this time of the day, but it's it's pretty uh, it's pretty miserable existence for them. So various different NGOs are coming together and have, uh, they've issued a report through the Minority Rights Group. I suppose they're trying to put pressure on various different government governments, including Germany, to withdraw their funding or at least put a little bit more pressure on the government in the DRC to do something about these people and and you know not just. Uh, torment them. Or yeah. They, but it sounds like these poor unfortunate people were essentially evicted from where they lived for generations. Kicked out, yeah. Uh, but no provision was made for, the, for, this for was where the they whole were point. to go. Yeah, this was the whole point. Uh, so uh, it, it was thought basically, oh, well, they'll go in and they'll they'll um, assimilate with other tribes and they'll be fine. But that just didn't happen mm. uh, because they were their own entity, you know, yeah. and it was a completely different environment for them. Um, so those negotiations in 2014 were to try and, you know, come up with alternative lands and give them education. But the deals that were reached weren't stuck to. Yeah. And... Do you get the sense that perhaps the public in general aren't particularly supportive of these people? I I, I did a, a really interesting thing before I came in, right? And and it's um, 
slightly infuriating actually but if, if you if you go to and you have a look at the Cahuzzi Biega National Park on Google there's reviews there it's got an average of 4.8 about all these people going to look at the gorillas that they're that are being protected it should be said that's mm. the purpose of the National Park to protect these eastern lowland gorillas it's the only place that they live and there's no mention of you know the Batwa and any of those reviews so it's you know there's two sides to the story yeah, and and everybody talks about conservation and that kind of thing and it's great and isn't it wonderful but it's not, not necessarily in done in the best manner all the time. Yeah. Uh, right, Kenya we're going to go to next and uh, CEO of an oil company has been sent home. Who and why? Yeah, it's an interesting one. This is Jean-Christian Bergeron. Uh, he is the CEO of a company called Rubus Energy Kenya which is part of a bigger group that's based in Paris, right? And he has been sent home Because the Kenyan government basically says that the country has sufficient stocks of petroleum products, but the scarcity is a result of some oil marketers, presumably among them is this this particular company, Rubus Energy, who are hoarding and prioritising exports to other neighbouring countries. They have a big problem in Kenya at the moment. For the last two weeks, um, petrol stations haven't been able to deliver for the people that are coming up and queuing up uh, and trying to get petrol to put in their cars. So, you know, you could say that the timing of it probably has something to do with the war that's going on in Russia and Ukraine mm, of course, um, yeah. and, and the knock-on effects. But there's two conflicting reports coming out here. So the government are basically saying that they're hoarding and they're trying to make profits from it. And the others are saying, the Rubus Energy Kenya are saying, no, it's due to increased demand. Now, Rubus have issued statements showing the increase in demand over the last three months, but haven't necessarily given an explanation as to why that demand has increased. Mm. I'm not too sure myself, right? Yeah. So as a result, the Kenyan government has said that they've deported the French CEO and uh, he's now back in France. Um, Recently, in the last couple of days, it seems that they're backtracking a little bit. Uh, The company themselves issued a statement saying, oh, no, he's just back in France to report to the board on what's going on in Kenya. And the government said, oh, yeah, well, maybe that's what happened and we didn't deport him in the end. (laughs) So there's a bit bit of backtracking, probably part of negotiations that are going Mm. on in the background to get oil back, uh, the oil flow back, because they have severe problems there in Kenya, not just the uh, shortage of oil at the mm. moment. All uh, right, Cyprus, we're going to go uh, to next. And uh, this is uh, this is a very sad story about yeah. uh, a British man and his wife. Yeah, it really is. It's uh, about a man <clears throat> called David Hunter. He's a 74-year-old uh, former miner who came from Northumbria, I think, uh, in England. He retired to Cyprus with his wife, who was a year older than him. Janice is her name. And she got leukemia back in 2016 so she was really bad in the last few weeks of her life um she was losing her sight she couldn't eat or drink and everything else that goes with that mm. so um in the last few weeks of her life she decided that she wanted it to end and he basically said in a statement anyway that he couldn't deal with her suffering anymore so he smothered her um and then he decided he was going to take his own life before that actually happened he rang his brother told him what he was about to do, asked his brother to look after his daughter, who's about 46. His brother rang the police in the UK, who rang the police in Cyprus and got to the house before uh, he had uh, killed himself. Yeah. Okay, And four days after being in hospital, they arrested him. Uh, and he's now been charged with murder. So it's a very, very sad case because, you know, it's even to the point where off the record, police in the prison have basically said that they feel extremely sorry for him. 
his mother, his daughter has said, look, these guys were married for 56 years. They just couldn't have done without each other. There's no way he would have done this to hurt her. Mm-hmm. But the government in Cyprus are saying we're not looking at it that way and we don't have... Um, we don't have uh, euthanasia in this country. And is there any indication now, it's probably not a defence one Mm. way or the other, that his wife had expressed a a desire to die? He says that she did, but I don't know if there's any written evidence. I Mm. mean, there are the Daily Mail actually published notes uh, as they do because they like to do lots of pictures, notes that they had written to each other that were kind of love letters and things saying, I can't live without you anymore and so on and so forth. But nothing specifically that I saw that was in writing yeah, anyway yeah. that she yeah. indicated. Uh, is there any discussion about euthanasia at the moment? Though? There is, yeah. Parliament are discussing it at the moment but um, I believe Cyprus can be conservative enough or at least yeah. there are elements within yeah. the country that are conservative uh, enough. So it will take know, a while. Is, is there a minimum sentence or anything for uh, if he's found guilty? Well, he, it would be murder so I assume he'd go away for life. I mean, the, the kind of the headline is that he'll, he'll die in prison <clears> um, if he does go to prison for it. Now, I should say that the, the trial was supposed to start on was it yesterday or Friday? I can't remember. But it's been adjourned until the 15th of June. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if in the meantime stories like this are going to get out and there'll be a pressure applied and there might be some sort of a pardon. But it's, uh, it's, it's a very a, sad story. It's a very yeah. sad story. Right. Uh, Germany we're going to go to next. And uh, this is an interesting one uh, that they've uh, uh, detained or arrested people for trying to create civil war conditions. I, I, I assume there's some sort of specific law about that, is there? Well, the that's an interesting one. I think there might be overblown it here slightly. I mean, the, the things that these four people have been arrested for and are going to be charged with are preparing a serious act of violence against the state and violating a Weapons Control Act. So that'll give you an idea, right? So you remember there was groups like this in in Germany in the 1970s and 1980s? Like the Beider Mainhof. Yeah, Yeah. exactly, that kind of thing. And this seems to be a bit bit like that. This particular gang, let's say, they called themselves the United Patriots, right? Now, four of them have been arrested. And this was after raids that were carried out right across Germany in 20 houses. So four arrested. Yeah, um, but I, but I, I take it these would be more right-wing than, than left-wing groupings we're talking about here. Or are yes, they? they would be. Well, they're, they're part of the Reichsberger groups. Uh, so that's kind of, again, that's an yeah. umbrella group which basically doesn't recognise the current government of Germany in its current form under the it's, they go back to the constitution of the Reich basically right, okay. that was 1874 yeah. to 1949 or something like yeah. that right so they don't recognise the current government in its current form and they want to go back to that and they have different uh, different um, sorry groups within the Reichsberger group want different things it's classic yeah. Life of Brian stuff yeah. right yes. so um, anyway four people have been arrested and um, they're going to be charged with this I think the biggest thing and the reason that the police moved at, on this particular occasion, which was last Wednesday, was because they were believed to be planning a kidnapping against the health minister, right? A man by the name of Karl Lauterbach. Now, this is because of his involvement in the pandemic restrictions that were very heavy in Germany, yeah, as they yeah. were in lots of places. And this, they're, they're caught up in that kind of thing as well. So I think this is the reason why the police moved. They found €20,000 in gold bars and cash. Uh, and they also found guns and uh, I think a Kalashnikov amongst it. So evidence there that they were plotting to, uh, you know, to kidnap a, a government minister is not great. Uh, yeah. And was it just the government minister or was there any indication they were planning to do anything else? Apparently there were others involved that they were going to kidnap and they were also going to try and hit 
uh, power stations and the like and, and that's I think where they're coming from the civil war conditions or where they're coming up with the idea of the civil war conditions like they were going to create chaos and uh, and uh, you know I presume they were going to lead, you know, the population back yeah. to where they believe they want them to be. Uh, yeah, you'd wonder where they got the money and the weapons yeah, from. Who's, absolutely. Who, who's funding this kind yeah, of thing? Yeah. Uh, right, Thailand, we're going to go to next, where uh, there's, uh, again, I suppose, separatists and uh, an a bomb attack. Who are the separatists? The separatists are a group called the Patani United Liberation Organization, otherwise known as Pulu, and they've been around since 1968, okay? They operate in the south of Thailand, um, in an area that was known as the Patani Sultanate before 1909, right? So that's when uh, Thailand basically annexed this particular area and mm. it became part of Thailand. Now, to get to the <coughs> nitty-gritty, what are the, what are the reasons like, that these guys exist? They're Malay as opposed to Thai and they're Muslim as opposed to Buddhist, right? Mm. So they have their right, own ethnicity yeah. and they want uh, their own identity to be recognised. And this group has been going on since 1968 and again in classic Life of Brian style they have split into four or five separate groups and some of those groups have entered into a peace deal with the Thai government at the moment I'm sorry not a peace deal but a ceasefire which is hoped will eventually move on to a peace deal this group is saying that they don't want to be involved in those peace talks at all and they're saying that those peace talks don't involve or don't entertain the concept of this area Patani being independent and that's just a red line for them. So they're carrying on their insurrection if that's what you want to call it. And um, yeah, they exploded a bomb. It killed one villager. Uh, It had been left in a paper bag and this poor unfortunate villager went and had a look at the paper bag to see what was in it. It exploded. Two other bombs um, were diffused. One almost unsuccessfully well well, unsuccessfully in that three police were injured when they were trying to defuse it. Um, but it, the scale of this operation doesn't seem to be that big. Yeah. But it is a thorn in the side of this ceasefire and these peace talks for sure. Yeah. Crikey. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's complicated It stuff, is complicated like, when there's four different groups yeah. and you don't know. But I mean, at some point in the past, this was... And they still do, presumably, the people who live there see themselves as a discrete entity from Thailand or any other place. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And I mean, these guys, if they if, if they go to the end of their land that they want and they look across the ocean, they're seeing Banda Aceh in Indonesia. Mm. Uh, you know, so they're seeing yes, a connection yeah. there as well. So, you know, in many ways, they'd be more culturally affiliated to that part of Indonesia than they would be to the rest of Thailand. Yeah. That is interesting. Right, uh, North Korea, we're going to go to next. Or it's people, it's probably people outside North Korea that that the government, uh, not unsurprisingly, is is trying to make sure nobody does does a runner as soon as they get outside of the country. Yeah, so North Korea, in order to get, um, will we say, proper cash into yeah. their systems. Foreign currency. Yeah, yeah. foreign currency. Yeah. They, they get, uh, they send workers abroad to China and Russia, namely. And in this particular instance, uh, they've been doing it for years, right? And, and what they used to do was they'd send workers abroad and they'd send managers with them. And the managers would basically take all the passports of the workers so they wouldn't go and do a runner. Now what the North Koreans have tried to do is they're confiscating their managers' passports as well as they go out and they're being left with various different consulates and the like or whoever it is might be looking after it. You never know, they could be getting help from mm. other parties. Um, 
the reason they're doing this is, is, as I said, is to stop them from fleeing to a third country. I think it probably comes off the back of two things, or there's speculation that it comes off the back of two things. One is very concrete in that in mid-February, 20 workers and their manager scarpered from Shanghai and they haven't been seen since, right? So nobody knows where there is now. Whether they've been caught and sent back to North Korea and put up against a wall yeah. is another possibility uh, just in case people are thinking that they've, they're roaming free uh, and, and, and they got out. Um, but the other side of it is that because the economies in these places, China and Russia, are doing so badly that the managers are now under increasing pressure to perform, if you like, and and to meet their targets, i.e. send back money. Yeah. And because of that pressure, the North Korean government are saying, well, we think you're more likely to be disloyal to us. It's just the paranoia of North mm. Korea. Um, and so that's why they've con- confiscated these passports. And, and when these workers are sent abroad then to China and Russia to work, the state gets their earnings, does it? So the state gets the lion's share of it and they get to keep a bit of it, but it's a hell of a lot more than they would get if they were working in North Korea. Yeah, <laughs> That and probably goes without saying. Yeah, that's the cell, if you know uh, what I mean. Yeah, for them. apparently another way that in, in North Korea, like mm. they have farms where they train people um, who who are selected, who are good at maths. They train them up and, and then uh, on computer skills as well. And an awful lot of the uh, a fraud that takes place, the internet fraud that takes place, it originates in North Korea because that's another way of getting foreign currency. Mm, I didn't know that. That's yeah. fascinating stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, right. Uh, finally, we're going to go to uh, Brazil, uh, where boom, boom, there's a stiff problem. There sure is. Yeah. Uh, yes, I don't really know how Jair Bolsonaro got himself involved in this, but it's no harm. Yeah. <laughs> Anything that makes him look bad is a win, I think. Sorry, that my objectivity went out the window there a little bit. Anyway, uh, Bolsonaro, um, because of his connections between the Navy and the and with the Navy and the Air Force, he's an ex-military man. I think he was a mm. general and he really probably wants to bring back dictatorship uh, in in many respects. But um, the Navy, the Air Force, between them have reportedly bought 35,000 pills, or Viagra pills. Right. And um, they're saying that the drug was supposedly meant to be used to treat pulmonary hypertension. Um, now, the media and the opposition are slightly sceptical about that and they want answers as to why uh, you know, the army would need to uh, order 35,000 uh, Viagra pills. Now, it, it does sound funny, but there is a serious side to it in that, and it was pointed out by one particular um, opposition figure who said that the Bolsonaro administration dallied over buying COVID vaccines but approved overpriced, the overpriced purchase of 35,000 uh, Viagra pills for the armed forces. So I thought it was it was a decent point. Um, the same guy then went on to say, unless they're able to prove they're developing some kind of secret weapon <laughs> capable of revolutionising the international arms industry it'll be tough to justify the purchase uh, and, and any word from the Bolsonaro government yet as to why they did this? No uh, yeah. to be honest with you nothing it, just from the Navy and the Air Force so far who basically said it was for the, the pulmonary hypertension so unless they're coming up with some sort of torpedo yeah. that we don't know Not about pulmonary hypertension in, in the armed forces in Brazil that's that's something to yeah. worry about Absolutely. right so uh, Jonathan what should we look out for over the next week or so? Uh, yeah there's look there's two big things on Sunday. There's obviously the elections in France and then there's mm. uh, elections in Slovenia, which will also be quite interesting. And in between, on Thursday, Boris Johnson is going to India for two days, which actually could be comical and also could be quite interesting in terms of, again, what's going on in the Ukraine and how mm. 
you know, India and British relations develop from from here into the future. Uh, given the, the the size that India seems to have taken in the war, yeah, at least absolutely. Blank refusal to criticise Russia for anything. Right, that will be interesting. Jonathan, thanks a million thanks as sure. ever. Uh, Jonathan de Burka Butler, there you are listening to the Moncrief Show on News Talk. We're going to take a break. After that, what constitutes an asshole? Moncrief on News Talk with Avant Money. Money when you need it with Avant Money credit cards. Avant Card DAC trading as Avant Money is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland.